That is uh, the church I came from a little over a year ago. Um, some people love to do kids' sermons because they have the gift that Diane does. Some of us, when we were on the list, we're doing a kids' sermon. It's like, oh no, they can talk back. <laughs> so I like sermons. I can just talk for 15, 20 minutes, and you guys can't say anything until afterwards, or you just fall asleep, one of the two. But hey, let's, uh, for sake of time, we're going to fly a little bit here. This is Mark Stromberg, who is. Uh, the superintendent of the Northwest Conference. There's almost 150 churches, covenant churches in the Northwest Conference. Many of you have been around our denomination longer than I have, but we are part of one of the few growing denominations. And I think it's uh, for a lot of reasons. We'll get into some of those here in a second. Um, but I'm going to just set up a couple of minutes around God's faithfulness. And then I asked Mark in um, basically to share with us some of what God's up to. Um, so I, I remember... It's, it's fun looking back. It's fun remembering, right? Uh, you, you think of all these different things, remembering stories. We'll do a lot of that around the picnic. Dick, you were amazing. Thank you so much for your words and the names and, and some of the things that people had done and um, the pictures during the song. But I remember the first meeting that we had as we were planning out this 125th and Wayne Sandy, who was sitting right here, one of the most gracious souls I know, we were about halfway through the meeting, and Wayne just sort of said to us, and, and, and it halted the meeting for a moment, but he said, let's make sure that we don't just remember the past. We have to tell our people about what God is moving us into. And that's been sitting with me for the whole of this time. If we only remember, then in some way, that's idolatry. We're worshiping the past, and that's not the point of what we gather around today. We want to remember in good and healthy ways God's faithfulness, but God's faithfulness always moves us forward. So there was a verse we looked at last week when we were talking about faithfulness as one of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's this passage in Isaiah 38. I absolutely love. Only the living, this is Hezekiah, he's been promised more days. It says, only the living can praise you as I do today. Listen to this. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. Look down the row. Look at some of the kids in the rows around you. The reason we remember the 125th is so that your kids, your grandkids, the kids in your neighborhood can find Christ, can hear the stories of how God has redemptively been at work, and that they, and that they one day can tell the same type of stories. Amen? That's why we gather around this. We look back only because it propels and gives us energy and fuels us as we move into God's future. So with all that said, I'd ask Mark, uh, Mark sort of just give us some thoughts as he gets to interact with a lot of churches, a lot of leaders, is probably in these type of settings on occasion. Um, just a few different questions for us to give, give uh, some insight to. So one of them is this. Um, as you've been in these type of celebrations, what are some common themes that would be good for a church like Crossview to be aware of? First, it's great to be here with you uh, today, and I greet you on behalf of the other 140-plus churches in the Northwest Conference. You know, people hear that, and it sounds like we should be in Seattle or Portland. But actually, the Northwest Conference, it, it's one of the oldest conferences in the Covenant, and it actually was named after the Northwest Territories, and old names die hard. And uh, we have churches in Minnesota, North South Dakota, and Western Wisconsin, and so greet you on behalf of them as well as the staff of the conference. And certainly want to congratulate you on reaching this uh, milestone. 
Uh, it's no small thing to be 125 years old. In fact, many churches never get to be this old. In fact, most churches don't get to celebrate 125th anniversary because they've closed their doors. So I want to congratulate you, but certainly also to celebrate with you uh, God's faithfulness in this. Uh, the fact is, recently we have quite a number of churches celebrating either their 100th or their 125th. In fact, in the last few years, we've had quite a few that have, in fact, made it to this milestone. And it's a reminder to us, not just here, but other places, of God's faithfulness. It's also a reminder of the fact, though, that once upon a time, about 125 years ago, there were a lot of people that made commitments to plant new churches. And, and one of the things that we always have to remember, kind of like if you ever listen to NPR and they'll say, remember that all music was once new, it's a reminder to us to, that, that all churches were once new. And so the fact that you're here is a testament to the faithfulness of people 125 years ago that said, let's start a church, let's sacrifice and do the things that we need to do in order to develop a, a new uh, ministry and, and a new real outpost for Christ uh, in this community. Uh, former U of M uh, football coach and color commentator Lou Holtz was one time asked, do you exercise? His response was no. They asked why and equipped, because when I die, I want to be sick. Now think about that for a moment. A and sadly, this is oftentimes what we find in churches. So I will say that you have a reason to celebrate this morning because you're 125 years old, and yet you are still healthy, and you are vibrant. The reality is that's not always the case. Sometimes I go to 125th, uh, anniversaries, or uh, one of our, my staff members goes to 125th anniversary, and, and it's more of a mixture of joy and sorrow. Joyful for what God has done in the past, but an element of sorrow because as you look, you realize there's not much capacity here. There, there's not much hope for the future. Ultimately, with the Lord there is, but when it comes to the ministry of the church, sometimes, quite frankly, they've run out of gas. And sometimes they're just hanging on for dear life almost like they're just trying to get to the 125th. It would be similar to someone who maybe was terminally ill and felt, I just need to make it one more Christmas. I, I just need to make it till my granddaughter's wedding, whatever it might be. And sadly, there are churches that celebrate their 125th, again, celebrating and thankful for what God has done in the past, but really no hope for the future. Certainly, this is not the case with your church. Um, your church has a bright future, and this is something that's so important for you to remember, that just being 125 years old doesn't guarantee anything for the future. But churches can become young again through their vision and their passion and their intent, and certainly we're grateful that Crossview is one of these churches. But it boils down to whether a church believes their best days are in front of them or their best days are behind them. And it's so important for churches to be both willing and able to continue to move forward in the future. And the churches that move forward, quite frankly, are those that tend to be outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. Uh, these churches that use their capacities to build even more capacities. And I would say to you that even as you're celebrating your 125th, use your capacity to gain even more capacity. It's kind of like your muscle. Use it 
or lose it. And the reality is, at the 125th, we have some churches who use it. We have other churches, quite frankly, who lose it. Interesting. So another one of the questions I asked Mark, and I think it's so important, and, and hopefully at 125 years old, um, we have the posture of humility and the posture that we want to learn. So I asked him, what, what are some traits of churches who are able to look back in healthy ways but also be driven forward into God's future? What, what, what defines some of those churches, and how do we learn from that? You know, Brad had talked about rose-colored glasses, and it reminds me of the old adage, maybe you've heard it, the older we get, the better we were. And there's something that happens with us. Um, we look back and we reminisce, and it's easy to become very sentimental and actually even to get a little, a little drippy with it. Um, this happens in our culture, by the way. Uh, think of these infomercials that you watch late at night, let's say for Time Life, and there'll be a washed-up rock star and their adoring sidekick, and they'll talk about the 60s. Think of how they portray the 60s. Oh, it was a time of love and peace and harmony and Woodstock. Yeah, people rolling around in the mud. <laughs> but think of how it's portrayed. It's portrayed as if this was just this wonderful, glorious time to try to sell the music of the 60s. Well, some of us were around in the 60s, and quite frankly, not all of it was that great. But this is what the culture does. It tends to embellish on the past. And this oftentimes happens in churches where we begin to embellish the past, we begin to look through things with rose-colored glasses, we look back to the glory years, but quite frankly, during the glory years, they weren't necessarily as, as glorious as we make them out to be. So it's so important in terms of, of how we look forward, even as we think of God's future faithfulness, to, to, to look at the traits that are necessary, certainly always flexibility. And, and this church has exhibited flexibility even in terms of the moves you've made, um, the, the, the decisions you've made about ministry, uh, location, uh, by faith building this building, the ability to adapt, um, faithfulness, as Dick was saying, to God's Word. These are the things you'd probably expect me to say. But, but one other trait that I think is important, uh, even in the midst of all that we've been saying this morning, is an appreciation for tradition. Hmm. And, and, but there's a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Someone has said that tradition is the living faith of the dead, where traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So it's important for us to remember the past and to celebrate it and to learn from it, but again, not to turn it into an idol. Some of you, of you have heard the old pastor's story about the young woman who was preparing a roast beef for a Sunday dinner, and she cut off part of the roast, and said to her mom, Mom, why is it that we cut off this part of the roast? And the mom said, well, I don't know. I've just always done it because that's what Grandma did. So they went and talked to Grandma out in the other room and said, Grandma, why is it we cut off this part of the roast? She said, well, I don't know why you do it. I did it because my pan was too small. <laughs> and, and the reality is this is what can often happen in the context of a church. We can do things without even knowing why we're doing them anymore. My parents both died fairly young, and I was executor of their estate. And with my two sisters, I got little dots, red dots, blue dots, and yellow dots. And I started with my older sister, Julie. I said, Julie, we're going to look at lamps. If you see a lamp you want, put your dot on it. This is how we were sort of dividing up the possessions. Well, we, we took everything we wanted, but there was a still lot left, a lot of it left. Some things certainly we would give away, but some things, it's like my great-grandpa made this table. 
What do we do with it? Well, my one sister or myself would say, well, I guess I'll take it. So we took it. My basement was so full of stuff that I couldn't even use. And it, it hit a crisis point at one point because uh, I moved my wife's treadmill over against the wall to make room for furniture we would never use. And she put her foot down and said, okay, this has got to stop. This is what can happen sometimes with traditionalism. We keep doing things, we keep doing things, when the reality is the reason they were done no longer exists, and it begins to crowd out the very things that we need to do. And so this has to be something in our mind's eye, that the, that the future has to trump the past, though we can learn from the past, and though we can appreciate it. To keep our eye on the things that we can learn from. The truth is this, guys like me, I'm the church of yesterday and today. It's the truth. I mean, look at me. I'm the church of yesterday. By the way, I like your... Yeah, you just grew a little here, you'd be a good-looking guy. We only let bald people um, on stage, um, so... But, but I'm the church of yesterday and today, but you know what? People my kids' age, your kids' age, they're the church of today and tomorrow. And today and tomorrow has to trump yesterday and today, every day of the week. It has to, because we are evangelical churches. So another trait coming out of that is, even as we appreciate tradition, leadership. We have to pour into younger leaderships rather than playing musical chairs with the same people. Older leaders need to say, how do we empower younger leaders in our church so we're not just continuing to change positions, but it's the same people that are changing the positions? How do we pour into these younger leaders? How, how do we groom them and train them and encourage them rather than viewing them, quite frankly, as competition? out of our own fear for losing our own place within our church. And then evangelism, a trait. And Milton Engerbetson, who had been a pastor here, one time said when he was president of the covenant, he said, you know, if evangelism isn't at the top of the list, sooner or later it's not on the list at all. If it's not at the top of the list, sooner or later it's not on the list at all. Why? Because it's so easy to crowd this out with other things that come more naturally to us. Fellowship comes more naturally to us. Worship, um, studying the Bible, all these things for most of us come more naturally. And yet it's so important for us to be overt in our outward focus in evangelism, to be about the master's business. Reminding me of a quote from C.S. Lewis, he said this, Christianity is either of no importance or of infinite importance. It is of no importance at all, or it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is of moderate importance. And we believe this is of infinite importance, and it's good news that needs to be shared. That's good. One last question, and, and it piggybacks on what Dick talked about. As we look back at God's faithfulness, um, Crossviews in a season of saying, what does God have for us in the future? What are the dreams and hopes and visions, and, and, and what does God want us to do? And so, um, Mark... Two minutes, just give us a little overview of some of the things that God is up to um, that we could learn from and maybe be inspired by. Yeah, you bet. Uh, just to, to share, again, um, the local church does most things best, but not everything. Even large, high-capacity churches like Crossview doesn't do everything best by itself. Think of Bible camps. I came to faith in Christ at Covenant Pines Bible Camp. Uh, that was available because Covenant Churches in the Twin Cities said, let's join together and start a camp. I went to Minnehaha Academy. 
One church did not start Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis. It was because churches joined together. The the, the support of missionaries. We don't have many churches that will support a missionary for 40 years by itself. But you know what? When we join together, we are able to do things that we cannot do individually. So while you as a church can do many things best, certainly locally in the Mankato area, you can do things best here. We can't from Minneapolis. At the same time, there are many things that we do best when we join together. So in the Northwest Conference, we say that we exist really to both serve our churches, but also to unite our churches in service together. Because we truly are better together. Out uh, in your lobby, just as you go out the doors, on the right-hand side, there are going to be some brochures. I'd encourage you to take some. Uh, Certainly, there would not be enough if everyone uh, takes one, but I assume that would not be the case. But there's something that's a ministry uh, overview of the Northwest Conference. Our three ministry priorities, congregational vitality, church planting, children, youth, and family. This is what we're about. Congregational vitality, church planting, children, youth, and family. You can read about that. Also something that's a meet-the-staff sheet. It just gives you an idea of, of how we're staffed, and we're staffed according to our ministry priorities. Then something that we rolled out at our annual meeting in Rochester on uh, May 1st through 3rd um, is a new uh, uh, initiative we have for church planting. It's called 50 by 25, Our Mission to Plant. And just as I was saying earlier, your church exists because people planted it. What we did actually is we handed out uh, flashlights to everyone, turned the lights off at a worship service, and on the back of our worship folder we had every church listed with the year that it started. And then what we did is we read a narrative in the dark. Some churches predated the covenant. The covenant started in 1885. My church started in 1874, First Minneapolis. We have churches that started in the late 1860s. And we would say that if your church started to shine its light, even prior to the covenant, turn your light on, and then you'd see, we gave everyone flashlights that said start churches, and you'd see some lights go on. Well, we did this kind of throughout history until the very last church, which was our newest church plant, finally turned the light on. We sang the doxology with the room lit with lights. And it's a reminder to us that you are a light, but it's also a reminder to us that you can help us be a light in other communities. So we've got this brochure, and we're looking for churches to remain faithful in their giving to the work of the conference because the only way we can plant churches is if churches are faithful in their giving. We're also, quite frankly, looking for individuals that are willing to come alongside and provide funding for new churches. Churches that allow us oftentimes to reach into ethnic groups in a way that we couldn't. I've maybe mentioned, so I'll just mention one and be done, Sudin Penke. Our pastor at Laotian Covenant Church uh, that meets at Brookdale Covenant Church. They've opened up their facility. Dick served at Brookdale once upon a time. So did I. And, and, and they've opened up their facility. They provided their parsonage for the last 12 years free of charge. Think of what that does for a young, fledgling ethnic congregation. We believe that Sudin Penke has led between 75 and 100 adult Buddhists to faith in Christ in the last 12 years. How am I going to do that? I'm not going to do that. But you know what? Along with you, we can grease the skids, as it were. We can provide the resources that will allow people like Sudin to be able to do what he can do that we can't. So that's one wonderful thing that's taken place. but But our focus right now is on planting churches, 50 by 25. Our goal in the Northwest Conference is to plant 50 new churches by the year 2025. This is an aggressive goal. 
uh, but we ask that you would come alongside us and, and be a support as we all seek to do this together, because truly we are better together. Great to be with you today, and thanks, Brad. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. So here's what we're going to do. We're running a couple minutes over, but we're, we're going to be okay with that. Um, we hear that to be inspired, to say God's been doing something, and we are without question going to be part of God's bright and glorious future in uh, using our gifts in humble ways. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art together, and then I'll give us some directions as to where to go from there. Gracious Father, um, I pray that the words of Dick and Mark and Diane and songs and images and stories that we tell today of your faithfulness, God, that it would do something in us, in our love, our passion for you, our desire to share the good news, our desire to bring justice, our desire to plant churches, whatever you have, God. I pray that you would be honored and that your faithfulness would be told to the coming generations again and again and again and again. Amen.